0: So I've been getting some comments asking about my thoughts on Black Widow, and I have one radical change that I would make, but in general, um, I don't have a lot to say about this movie. I think it was pretty standard fare for our Marvel movie, which is to say it was fine. Um, I obviously enjoyed it more than other Marvel movies because I personally enjoy watching women. Um, so the controversial big change that I would make, I would Muppet this movie in a heartbeat, um, by which I mean pick one human actor and then replace the rest of the cast with Muppets or Muppet versions of themselves. Obviously my choice is Florence Q because she blew everyone else out of the water, um, and because it's Florence Q. Um,
1: Welcome to Jurassic Pod, a podcast 65 million years in the making and the fourth most popular Jurassic Park podcast on the internet. In the show, we excavate, theorize, and decipher the evolution of the Jurassic Park films and their fandom. Mike, we've completed our rewatches of each film and now we're going to bring in some experts. We're going to do
2: a re-rewatch now.
1: We're gonna re-listen to right. our podcast. Yeah. We're gonna do a commentary <laughs> yes. of
2: of of, of, the, not, of not the movies, though. We're gonna do a commentary of the podcast. Podcast, yes. I think that's
1: good. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's so it's meta-meta. I wanted to, to to see if we could get some people that are experts from like the fandom community um, to kind of go deep down. Basically, getting some more super nerds like us that have yeah. kind of some other expertise in the franchise. Uh, first up today, uh, we're gonna we're gonna play an interview that I had with uh, Megan Jamino. She's a film studies student at Harvard and has a really popular TikTok where she talks about feminism and film. Uh, I first heard about her when my friend messaged me one of uh, her TikTok videos. I'll play it here.
0: I'm a lesbian getting a degree in film studies from Harvard and I'm gonna tell you all my favorite times that Jurassic Park passes the Bechdel test. The little girl asks, we can call for help and Laura Dern says, we've got to reboot the system first. And then of course the girl is a girl who codes um, and that's feminism. Number two, Laura Dern says, oh my God, to a baby raptor and the baby raptor says, and this is a pass because remember all lab grown dinosaurs are female. Number three, Laura Dern says, hey baby, to a sick Triceratops, Um, and for those of you purists who believe that we need to know both female characters' names, I implore you to look into the JPEU, because we can actually find out that this dinosaur's name is Sarah. Who could forget the iconic kitchen scene where these two girl bosses are chatting the entire time, and they're not talking about men, they're talking about dinner. There's of course this moment where Lex is talking to a dinosaur, and then it sneezes on her. I would say that sneezing is a form of communication, so I'm gonna call that one a pass. And last but certainly not least, every time that we see the T-Rex interact with another dinosaur or with Laura Dern, that is technically a pass because the dinosaur is female uh, and her name is Roberta.
1: So that's awesome. a, a clip that has continued to rise in, in viewership. Uh, she has so many good videos uh, that range from serious analysis to more jokes. Uh, please check her out. But uh, we get really get into talking about Jurassic Park talking about the feminism in the films where uh, it, it does well or it does not. Um, if you don't know what she's talking about, the Bechtel test, she's going to explain that in the interview. Yeah, uh, Just super insightful way to kind of analyze analyze the films. Uh, Mike, uh, I'm a novice at TikTok. I really kind of believe it's basically a repackaged Vine for people. It
2: is. It's exactly that, actually.
1: Yeah, so it's just like it is hard for me to like, even understand mm-hmm. the value. Yeah. I can't even talk that fast, let alone think
2: that. Fast. Listen that fast. Yeah. It's, man, these, yeah, it's a round of applause to the Gen Zers who figured this out because uh, millennials, too lazy.
1: Way, way too lazy. Too and, lazy. And just, it's funny, Megan and I talk about it. And I, I, I go in a little bit more about asking her the challenges of honestly being on TikTok. She only recently joined the platform um, as part of her, her studies. So, uh, she's kind of been through it, but overall she's getting a lot of good feedback. Uh, so we're going to learn about TikTok. And of course, we're going to learn more about Jurassic Park. But uh, Megan has started to change my perception of what TikTok can be.
2: Yeah, it's just thank God for Gen Z to come around and save the country from the horrors of what millennialism was doing So Megan, as the ambassador of this TikTok generation, we are just so thankful for her contributions to the, to to this uh, extinct podcast.
1: (laughs) Megan, welcome to Jurassic Pod. How are you doing?
0: Pretty good. How are you doing today?
1: Good. Thanks for connecting. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for reaching out. I'm really excited.
1: Can you tell me a little bit about your background and, and and like what, how you got to, to Harvard and why you chose to go there.
0: Yeah, um, so my name is Megan. I'm 23, um, and I'm actually still getting my undergraduate degree at Harvard with a uh, major in film studies and a minor in sociology. In uh, my background, I've also got a coding background. So I've worked at Google and Microsoft um, before. Um, which I, So I do think it's very funny getting comments on my TikToks about how unemployable I am, um, but <laughs> it's OK. It's OK. We're still moving through, just trying to get the degree. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm from San Francisco originally, born and raised here. Um, I actually didn't watch a lot of movies growing up and went into Harvard as a computer science major originally um, and ended up switching from that when I realized computer science is something I can do on my own time, teach myself how to do versus mm-hmm. being able to sit in a room with other people who actually care about you know, watching a movie for the finest details, watching something you like six or eight times in a row. Uh, when else am I going to be in a space where I'm able to do that under the guise of, you know, getting my degree, which I have to do to be a functioning adult. So <laughs> I'm having a really good time with it. Um, I love Boston's the city, uh, it reminds me of San Francisco in some of the best ways, just being on the water, being around a lot of young people who have very interesting ideas.
1: First off, what was your first experience with Jurassic park? If any, if you can remember,
0: Yeah, so I actually joined the Jurassic Park train a little bit late. Um, You can blame my dad for that specifically. He showed uh, the movies to me when I was just way too young, like four or five years old. So I have a vivid memory of the very first raptor scene in the very first movie. And then I believe I ran screaming from the room. Um, (laughs) And just after that was so terrified, refused to watch any of them um, until senior year of high school. I happened to stumble upon the book Jurassic Park read it had a really good time with it and said oh I guess maybe it is time I jump back into <laughs> jump back into those videos I'm probably old enough to appreciate it now um and I watched it like late one night alone in my room loved it and it was just like hooked from there um and I actually don't have a lot of experience with the rest of the series I only watched the second Jurassic Park a couple of days ago and it's because I don't know if I want to watch a dinosaur movie why would I want to watch anything other than the original Jurassic Park, I can know exactly where it hits for me. It gives me the excitement. It gives me, I cry every time when they first see the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. So it's just, if I'm in a dinosaur type of mood, there's no reason I would ever go to anything else. And then especially Laura Dern's not in the second one. And that's the quickest way to lose me from a <laughs> sequel is to just drop your female, one female character and swap yes. with a different actress. Um, oh
1: my gosh. That's, that is really interesting because this whole podcast was started one, because you know, there wasn't enough movie podcasts in the world. Uh, but more importantly, my co-host, Mike, loves Jurassic Park. He always has, since I've known him, since we were going to school together. Uh, and I've always been surprised because it is this huge franchise, but there isn't necessarily a main hero archetype throughout the franchise. It's the dinosaurs that are the ones that are the heroes of, of the stories. And that first one is so good. It's just amazing to me that the franchise has continued this like this long so I think it's an interesting point that you make that if you want to see a like dinosaur movie you're watching the first Jurassic Park there's not really another reason to watch any of the others
0: exactly and I feel like the reason that they got people to watch them as they were coming out is they were coming out versus now that they kind of just exist in Jurassic Park with I think you've said like a pretty understood like ranking there's not a lot of debate about. No which people think jurassics are better. So it's kind of like a, well, if I'm now looking at all the dinosaur movies that exist, there's still only the one best one. Although now that Laura Dern is coming back to the Jurassic world series, I'm sure I'm going to have to, you know, go through all of those. So I have the full context for the lore for whatever she busts into theaters. Yes. Summer.
1: I mean, it's going to, it's really interesting, uh, not to get on a Laura Dern uh, track, but we can. I,
0: I mean, I won't mind.
1: Okay. Cause it's really those three actors in the first one, we're all pretty well-known in the 90s, successful actors in their own right, but it's interesting to see how 1993 Jurassic Park comes out and thinking about all three of those actors' careers and how they've continued to progress and become so huge, um, Each, especially Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum. And it's just interesting that they're at this point in the franchise where they need them to come back to kind of help save the narrative heart of it. And it's going to mm-hmm. be interesting to see... Because they have, they like so much underutilized Laura Dern's character or the idea of her character from the the first one going into the sequel. So it's going to be interesting to see how they can bring her back. But now she, just Laura Dern as as an iconography in our our culture is so much bigger. It's just going to be really interesting to see.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's so funny also now I feel like especially she's so known for playing these very like high society very well put together put together with a very specific image characters so seeing her go right back into the dinosaur field I think is going to be kind of a welcome change
1: I I know I'm I'm very excited about it I'm also nervous about what's what's going to happen based off of some of the other things they've done all right I want to get into the TikTok video that has over 800,000 views last time I checked um Can you explain the Bechdel test to some of our listeners that aren't familiar with it?
0: Absolutely. Um, So the Bechdel test is either the punchline of a joke or an important media metric, depending on how you look at it. Um, It started as something in a comic strip by Alison Bechdel, which is where the name comes from. Um, And the comic strip is two lesbians are talking to each other at the movies, trying to decide what to watch. And one of them says, actually, I invented this rule for myself. I don't watch movies that don't have two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. And the end of that comic strip is they decide not to see anything at the movies and go home together. Um, Mm. So it started as a very much as a joke, not like an academic field of study or an important feminist um, narrative. But now it's kind of used to, as a starting point, to evaluate media and kind of how it treats women as characters, how it treats feminism. Um, And the point of it is that those two women who talk to each other about something other than a man, that bar should be on the floor. It shouldn't be like the mark of a feminist movie that it does that. Um, It's basically meant to point out how how many movies, especially very popular and even like very well regarded for how they treat women, um, franchises often fail to meet these very basic standards. Um, it's
1: that it's so wild to think about that. My wife and I just saw Black Widow this past weekend, and I didn't necessarily think about it. I was actually because of your TikTok because I had watched it, and afterwards, when I was driving home, and I was like, "Okay, this passes the test pretty well," but I think about all the other Marvel movies in that whole franchise over the last ten years, and they probably don't pass the test very well or they're not, they have a low score in my mind. Just comparing it to what Black Widow is now. I don't know if you've seen it yet.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely saw Black Widow. (laughs) Black Widow, I think, actually fails the, so this has been around in the conversation um, long enough that people have kind of invented this reverse spectral test, which is, um, does a movie have two men talk to each other about something other than a woman? Um, so movies that pass that test or fail that test technically are like legally blonde. Um, I believe black widow also fails it. No two men talk to each other on screen for about something that isn't a woman. Um, but wow. it's interesting to look at the types of movies when you invert um, yeah. that metric, what kind of thing you get.
1: It's, it's so cool. And i love your creative idea of applying that to Jurassic Park. Um, I specifically loved the idea of the two Raptors talking about dinner. Where did you like come up with that idea? And like, even for all your TikToks, where do you come up with these witty ideas and have to deliver them in a very short time window? And this is coming from a podcaster that talks about one movie for longer than the movie is actually runtime. So how do you do it? How do you cap encapsulate those ideas?
0: Um, I think it's mostly just, uh, I, my brain is just always looking for something to do. Um, so if I'm trying to sit down and watch a movie, especially with other people who maybe don't want to be interrupted by my stream of thought consciousness, it's kind of <laughs> like, I got to invent things to be doing back here while I'm, while I'm watching the movie. Um, and watching things like very critically that aren't meant to be watched critically, I think is something that I've always had a lot of fun with. Um, and I think actually the reason I always say that I go to Harvard when I do this is because I think what I'm doing is kind of dumb. Like it's kind of funny. I'm I know that I'm reading way more into this than the directors necessarily wanted me to. You know, like, uh, if I'm looking at like, well, when this happened, you know, when these two puppets speak to each other, that actually is feminist. I I understand that's not necessarily what the intent was, but it's fun. And that's I feel like that's what I'm watching movies for. I'm watching them for entertainment to be thinking about things and talking about things and making jokes with my friends. But yeah, so uh, the Bechdel test is something that I've just been aware of since, I don't know, past couple of years, just as someone who reads about media, especially women in media, it comes up a lot. Um, There's also an excellent podcast called the Bechdel cast, um, which basically takes a different movie each uh, episode and uses the Bechdel cast as a, or the Bechdel test as a jumping off point for discussing about feminist media. Um, But I was watching, uh, I actually started this because I was watching the Fast and Furious movies. Um, yes. Yeah. I Yeah, I'm an extremely, like, I generally, I think, tend to mostly watch movies about women and by women just because that's kind of what I care about. Um, mm-hmm. I will watch other movies, especially if someone says, I'm gonna watch this, do you wanna watch it with me? Well, of course I would love to watch it with you. We can share this experience. Um, but because of that, the fact that I am diehard in love with the Fast and Furious series is just the most off-brand <laughs> thing for me can't explain it i just watched them like all in a very short period of time a couple of years ago i've just fallen in love with them i can't tell you what any movie like specifically is about even though i've seen them all multiple times they're just all they're fast (laughs) they're fast don't you understand yeah
1: Yeah, that's all that matters
0: um but anyway but because of that um around eight movies in you can tell that someone has finally taken the director aside and said there's this thing called the Bechtel test you have women speak to each other and they said got it we will write in your one line check or like in um, the newest one in f9 there's like we, we will write in one conversation where two women go on a journey together so they can talk to each other for a short period of time about their lives like you can kind of see it making its way in um, but i think it's funny to kind of push for the the bars already on the floor um, yeah. so i like seeing how how far can i dig under it
2: <laughs> to get
0: that um, So anyway so with jurassic park it kind of made sense too of like well technically they're all women when you think about it um and i think so then i was watching it kind of with that intent of like specifically every scene i'm looking in the background for things like i think the best fact my favorite bechdel pass of the fast and furious franchise is there's like a two second screenshot from the fifth movie where you can tell that gal gadot and jordana brewster are sitting on a couch together in the background of a more important scene. And you By can By having a conversation. maybe they're having a conversation <laughs> back there. Exactly. Um, so looking for moments like that with Jurassic Park, where there are so many opportunities of like, well, technically all of these are women. Um, and so the raptors there. Um, and then while I was researching, I actually found out the, this didn't make the cut for the one minute video, but the raptors also have names. Um, or the puppets, at least, you know, behind set, yes. they needed to give them names to assign them. Role so that they could talk to each other about moving them. Um, but the two dinosaurs are technically named Randy and Kim. I think Randy is the one who ends up in the freezer. Okay. Um, and Kim's the one who gets eaten by the dinosaur or the T Rex. Um, but you can tell, like, they're trying to show you in the movie, like, the intent of the director is that these two raptors are communicating. Yes. Um, what makes them so threatening to the kids. Um, so viewing that come from, like, the lens of this joke feminist angle of, well, and they're two women. I think it's just kind of a fun.
1: Yeah, idea. I, I loved it. And I thought it was it's really interesting, because especially that first movie, and, and that leads me to my next question about feminism in Jurassic Park. It's interesting is in and gender as well. The first movie, it is pretty prevalent throughout the movie, the conversation of obviously with the dinosaurs is talking about gender. But Ian Malcolm's famous line, life finds a way when they're talking about how they're able to reproduce. And that whole conversation is really integral in the plot later on in the franchise, the whole idea of them being female dinosaurs is kind of just a throwaway plot point. Where do you think some of the feminism and gender conversations in Jurassic parts, maybe gets it right, or maybe it doesn't get it right. Especially later on in other movies.
0: Um, I actually think the first Jurassic park does a really good job. Um, I think, and so in my video, I talk about, there is actually only one human pass of the Bechtel test where, uh, Laura Dern tells, or Ellie Sattler tells Lex, um, we're going to go to the control room. Lex asks if they can call for help. And Laura Dern says, once we reboot the system and that's it, like it's those three, three lines spread out over two back-to-back scenes. Um, but that's kind of the point of the Bechdel test. The Bechdel test isn't just a media test. It's not a end all be all, this is feminist or it isn't. Um, I think Jurassic Park actually does do a great job despite only having that one technical interaction um, that they show on screen. Um, Like I think the, one of the biggest things they did is like, you can tell they were actually trying because of the way they made the changes from the book of making the girl child, the older one, the one who codes um, and ultimately like the one who has agency over the story Um, like tim is a very obviously a great character but kind of if you removed him from the story nothing in the plot would change you know he doesn't do anything he doesn't even like make any of the mistakes that cause like the dinosaurs to come descend upon them um versus lex is she is making mistakes at some points like she's the one with the flashlight with the t-rex but because of that she's moving the story along with that Mm -hmm. flashlight um and then later when she codes she's moving the story along again she's not only you know help us save the day here but like taking an active step in moving us out, but also she is without her and without her character, we don't know where the story would have gone. It would have had to go in a different direction. So the fact that she's able to actually move the story is something. Um, I think similarly, I think I like that, um, that one conversation that Ellie Sattler has with John Hammond in the, over the melting ice cream uh, that gives her, like it places her Mm -hmm. at kind of the moral center of the movie and lets her put her voice into that and talk to John Hammond who, you know, eventually this is obviously all of the things that are happening are sinking into him in some way. um, And so she's part of that. Uh, one place I don't love or that I wish was more integrated well was the like triceratops plotline. I think that's a really cool plotline. It shows how Ali Sadler is competent at what she does. She's even more competent than the people they've hired to run the park. Cause she's the one who's like looking actively for these solutions. She's not afraid to get dirty. But if you take out that story Nothing really changes in the plot. You know, it's, I wish that that had had some more impact on the story rather than just being a cool little scene of Laura Dern and a dinosaur.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. There's, there's moments in there that, that are really powerful, especially the, the very self aware line of when they're, when she's about to go turn the power back on and, and Hammond's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I should, I, well, I should, I should should be good. It's one of the more famous lines because it is almost it's a very self-aware of like cinema line and but no she's the one who goes and 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 saves the day or or tries to save the day um, and runs to run into Samuel L. Jackson's eaten arm or half eaten Mm -hmm. arm um, unfortunately Um, but yeah one thing that is really interesting as we've gone through these movies is. Um, and we just did Jurassic World, which I don't know if you've ever watched Jurassic World. Um, not
0: yet. Again, Laura Dern wasn't in it. Why
1: would I? <laughs> I would be. I would suggest watching it because the character of Claire, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, is there's it's very controversial. Not maybe not controversial is the right word. There's a lot of debate on how her character is used, her development throughout the the film, the way she's written. So maybe watch that and we'd have maybe have a Twitter conversation because I'd be curious to see your opinion on how that character is utilized. Um, there's moments where it's, it's, it's written similar to Dr. Sadler, almost in that Dr. Sadler role. And then there's other times where it like falls in these really terrible old school movie plots. Um, especially with like Chris Pratt as kind of the macho guy and they it's, it's fun. It's a funky movie in general, but, um, I'd be curious to, to, to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, no, and
0: I'm sure I'll definitely have to get around to them. Um, I can say also a little bit about the like Julianne Moore character in yes. uh, Lost World. I thought she was certainly no Laura Dern, but the biggest thing is, um, I think it was subtle, but she is like weirdly incompetent in ways that I don't think makes sense for the character. Like it's just a, you clearly, you needed incompetence somewhere to move the story along. I understand like the creation of conflict for that, but I don't know, like at one point I specifically noticed like she's the, she's climbing the rope while they're falling off the cliff and she's the one who slips her grip and pushes them all back 10 feet down. Um, she's wearing her shirt with the dinosaur blood on it, and she's a scientist and she doesn't think about it for like hours like it just takes her way too long to realize it. and we've seen her as this like extremely competent extremely intelligent. Um, scientists so far to So for her to suddenly just have her brain blank out on the fact that she is actively covered in the blood of an infant of a predator, it just escaping her doesn't make sense to me there. So I feel like they kind of took some shortcuts and basically just said, oh, put it on the woman. That'll be her fault. We can deal with it.
1: Yeah. That was one of the points we brought up in our episode when we reviewed that movie is that really takes you out of the movie because her character, she is a doctor. And then and the other Vince Vaughn's character is kind of a photojournalist, but either way, she should be trained as a scientist. Like the, bringing a child dinosaur, T. Rex, back into a human environment is probably not a wise choice, even if that animal is suffering. Like that's the whole conversation about science and, and interacting and invading the space. And it just it felt very out of character, and it takes you out of the movie. You get why from a plot standpoint. You, you bring baby that. dinosaurs so the t-rex can attack and jeff goldblum can say "Mama's very angry but it, it, it is disappointing because she is a, a pretty solid character and a, and a fun character to have especially with her and goldblum kind of being two of the the dynamic characters and hero characters but yeah it's it's just interesting that the, the drop off from the first one to that and, and what they could have done and, and chose to kind of just let it fall back and not do more with it, I guess, is is what's disappointing.
0: Yeah, I think I just, I wish they'd had one more reader of the script say, wait, we can fix this fair, because it seems like an easy fix to, you know, have her abandon a jacket, but it's like a really warm jacket, so someone else grabs it, or something like that, or it's a blood on her, on the side of her canteen, or on a dark piece of fabric. It just seems like there are lots of easy, really easy ways that you could have fixed it if you'd had someone who cares about, like, way the way you represent women read your script before you filmed it
1: and that's where i'm curious to see in this the the next film in the franchise what they're going to do with they're, they're bringing claire back they're gonna have dr sadler in there and i'm just going to be curious to see how they're able to pull it off again with all these other characters and just the mess of a franchise and where it's at as far as it's not fast and furious levels of uh sequels but it's it's getting to the point where they're writing themselves in into into holes and unlike fast and furious you can't just like have just cool car sequences and have Vin diesel talk about family speaking of fast and furious i'm gonna run something by you and just let me know your thoughts is it possible to have universal somehow have a jurassic park fast franchise crossover could you see that happening
0: immediately? Yes. Um, I do. I think there's some caution that obviously needs to be exercised. Um, but I think immediately. Yes. And actually I think lost world is going to be the blueprint for that. That's the one where they really, they show like at one point, like there's a guy on a motorcycle who drives yep. the Brachiosaurus' source like, like that's the blueprint. Um, I guess my mm. biggest, my biggest concern um, is that they won't be able to get Justin Lin to direct it. Um, because he's so into his practical effects and I think he's going to be really upset that they don't have real dinosaurs to film with the way he can blow up real cars um but no I think it makes sense I think especially for where the Fast and Furious franchise is going they're getting more self-aware but they're still I think just right on the right side of the line of not taking it too seriously um you know they're willing to be somewhat ridiculous um And I think that's exactly like the energy that they would need to bring to a Jurassic crossover. Um, I definitely, I don't want to see them hunting the dinosaurs. I definitely don't want to see them like it's them versus the dinosaurs. I don't want to see them have to take down a a rogue dinosaur in LA or something. I think they should definitely (laughs) be like going to the dinosaur location. Yes. I think, I think there is a way there. Um, I love it. think there's a good parallel to be drawn about i feel like the jurassic i don't know thesis at the heart is often like a i don't know you can never really call the dinosaurs the bad guys because they're doing what dinosaurs do Mm -hmm. um and especially in the second one when they're often it's about like protecting their young so i feel like the familia concept is already kind of running through the heart of jurassic jurassic franchise so i do think That there is a way, and I will be the first person in line at the theater.
1: (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'm glad you you're on board. I uh, I love your ideas, and I think I think dinosaurs is the next is the next step for the Fast franchise. It's like
0: the only thing they have left to conquer.
1: I think they they need so there needs to be a human connection, you know, because I feel like there is a lot of good human heart in the Fast franchise, and that would help like boost the Jurassic park franchise and the dinosaurs would help the fast franchise. So they need to find a connector there. There's gotta be some sort of familial connection to the human characters in Jurassic park. Um, you know, I don't know what that would be, but like we Tim need needs to figure to out like that
0: grow up and become a street racer.
1: Yes. And fall yes.
0: in with like the wrong crowd of street racers. So Vin Diesel has to like adopt him into the family.
1: That's it. Uh, that's we're right on track. I I think that's what we need to do. We need to call Universal. I think they'll Get listen the to phone. this and they'll figure it out. Somebody at Universal is listening, and will write the check and it's going to happen. Um, I want to talk about um, a little bit more about some of the TikTok stuff you've done and like how you first got into TikTok. What was like as, as a medium and thinking about the things you talk about? Why did you see TikTok as the right medium for you to start ta- having these conversations, especially because I'm sure there's a lot of like immediate uh, response, both positive and negative that you get uh, compared to submitting a essay and, and waiting the four days before it comes back from a professor. So like, what what was that that, that like getting into TikTok?
0: Yeah. Um, so I actually did get into TikTok because of a professor uh, last oh semester. My goodness. I took a course on internet folklore and mythology um, it's basically just a course about like the sociological value of memes and how we can use them to understand society the purpose they serve in society um a fairly very interesting class to be in during like the january 6th attacks um, of just kind of understanding yeah, all of the oh very complex deep factors that come into this um, but for the final project for that class um, we had a very open-ended project some people wrote research papers and i said i would like to go firsthand into trying to understand TikTok, like understand TikTok. Um, I, like everyone else, I think downloaded it at the beginning of the pandemic um, and was actually just a lurker for a very long time until (laughs) January um, when I started the account specifically kind of with the goal of like, well, I'm doing this reading about how social media travels um, and learning about like how TikTok works as part of the class, like both the mechanics, the algorithms. I have some coding background, so I have like a loose idea of maybe how things are working back here that they're not advertising. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see what I can do. And um, my partner is exhausted of hearing me say my same four movie jokes over and over again. Let's get this out here um and started doing that um and i found pretty quickly like a small i don't know tiktok is really i'm still learning how it works and i think tiktok is still learning how mm-hmm. it works um so it's constantly changing but i think it's very interesting of i do think that there is a pretty wide community out there of like young women who like to hear about film from not straight white men who are the yeah. primary primary people talking about film um mm-hmm. so it's just a matter of being able to find those people Um, And then hoping that they like what I have to say or if they don't like it that they dislike it in a way that is productive to them telling me why and so we can talk about it. So it's been going pretty well yeah the biggest thing is i just get a lot of comments of people who are very worried about um the level of debt i may or may not be accruing um but that's that's about it
1: that's very kind that's very kind uh, what's been your favorite one besides the jurassic park one that you've done or one that was like close to your heart uh i did love Two, a couple of my favorites were the anna kendrick roles i love that breakdown um i'm a huge fan of the twilight franchise specifically her in the Twilight franchise. And I love how you said, I can't believe she's in this movie or in these movies. It's, it's, it's wild. And she's, she said it. So in interviews, but, and then also the, what's something a modern day uh, vampire would get, would be taken down by Baja Blast. hundred percent agree. I think it takes down normal humans that don't have vampire powers. So I agree with that, but what's one uh, other ones that like you really loved or are close to your heart or you were surprised by.
0: Um, I have to say the one I was definitely surprised by is, um, so my girlfriend is from the Central California area, big farmland area. Yep. and She lives 15 minutes away or grew up 15 minutes away from the world's largest box of raisins. Um, and there was that tick, there was a TikTok trend going around. There was like a series, a setup of a joke of like, oh, did you say this? Actually, I meant something that rhymes with the first thing that you said, like just a really silly little like, yeah. one, we were driving by the raisin factory and I was like pull over I have an idea oh my gosh um and I like said something I was like no I'm at I'm at the world's largest box of raisins and then just turned the camera to show this 12 foot box of raisins behind me um I thought it was really funny and it was one of the first videos I had that like got a lot of views um and it was like when I didn't have very many followers too so I was trying to explain to my girlfriend's mom like no, so 27,000 people have seen the raisin box now. <laughs> um, but it's just, I think it's really funny. Um, and I love the raisin box.
1: I was going to ask you about that. So I'm glad you brought it up because I was like, wow, I, I didn't know that it was a thing. And now it, it, I knew, here it is. It's, it's amazing. I was disappointed that the raisins weren't still in the box. Right. I, I was frustrated about that. But I get it. That probably would be a smell that isn't attractive.
0: But the whole Central Valley kind of smells like that anyways, just like (laughs) raisins in the sun, so.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, Have you had any challenging responses to some of your videos or especially when you're breaking down movies and talking about um, important things or talking about ideas that are are challenging to talk about in society or maybe people have different views? Have you had any kind of rough feedback?
0: Um, I think the biggest feedback is just like a, it's frequent enough to be annoying, but not something that I was ever going to really be able to stick to me of people saying like, well, that's not what they meant or like you're reading way too much into this. I know that's, that's the point I am reading too much into this. I think it's just meeting people who don't share that attitude and don't kind of recognize it. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm having fun. You know, I'm doing this for fun. I'm having a really good time reaching out with people. Um, and for every person who's saying you're doing this wrong, you shouldn't be talking about film like this whatever. Um, there's someone saying, Oh my gosh, this is so funny. I love this. Um, look, I'm thinking about this type of thing too. Um, like, I think it's really fun.
1: That's awesome. Well, as a fellow deep diver, I think it's really important to, to look at, movies with these lenses whether it's an ironic or fun way or or a serious way to analyze them because it's in a lot of ways it's a safe space to have these larger conversations about our society history um in Jurassic Park is that's why I've enjoyed it the last the last couple episodes we've done and just going through these movies is it it has kind of these high fluff and conversations about science about man about um Should we interact with nature? How does man's interaction with nature affect and cause bigger things to happen? Um, So it it is fun to go and dive deep. And I think it's important and your work's important. So kudos to you and keep continuing that. Um, I know we're wrapping up close to time here. I feel like we could talk all night, but I want to respect your your time as a student, especially. Um, But what things uh, are you looking forward to in your studies? Like what what gets you excited? Uh, What conversations are what movies are getting you excited?
0: Um, I have to say what I'm looking forward to is really graduating. Mostly just-
1: um, (laughs) That was a great answer.
0: At this point, just kind of, I don't know, I think I'm like getting to a point where I like am able to consider myself like somewhat of not expert, but like getting there on a lot of topics and being able to talk about kind of difficult topics or read films through specific lenses. Um, I'd really like to be able to get out there and start doing that full time instead of having to kind of, to, trying to look at like concrete syllabuses and then channel my interests through them. I would really like to be able to just be chasing what I'm doing. Um, I also, I kind of made the formal switch into like the film and media world during Mm -hmm. the pandemic um so I'm really excited to start getting out like in person and doing things um I'm going to the Telluride Film Festival Student Symposium awesome um, in September so looking forward to like talking sitting in a in a theater with people watching new movies talking to the directors talking to the actors um yeah
1: what's the uh what's the most like annoying thing a film professor said to you or like crazy thing they've said to you because the reason I asked this is I'm going to bring what happened to me when I took a film class but I'm curious if you have had any like really okay
0: I actually have been very very lucky I think I've gotten met with very like cool film professors who are very much like understanding that they are just helping all of us find what we want to study and being pretty open to that um, I will say that is actually I say I have a lot of bad things to say about Harvard, but the best thing I have to say about Harvard is, especially within my department, there's a lot of freedom to, if you can find something that you are passionate about and that you care about and make a case for why other people should care about it too, there will be a professor who will say, okay, I will grant you that, you know, and give me like, I don't know, I, because of me and a project I wanted to do last semester, the Harvard Film Library owns a bunch of vampire lesbian movies from the seventies, um, because I thought that was a cool thing to study. And they said, okay, we'll buy them for you. Um, so just wow. the ability to do things like that.
1: That's really cool. That but that would be such an interesting deep dive, especially like where there was a a lot of like Italian like foreign foreign films, foreign it's, films.
0: Yeah, it's a good amount of Italian, especially apparently a lot of that you wouldn't think, but a lot of like lesbian vampire movies are actually wrapped up in commentaries on fascism um and then there's a whole sect of like the dumber American cousin to those types of movies that are like much more heavy on the exploitation aspect yeah. um and much less on the fascism commentary uh but it's definitely an interesting genre
1: well I bring this up because I had a professor and I, I guess I wasn't annoyed by it but his whole thesis was pretty much that uh Spielberg and Lucas destroyed cinema <laughs> and that was the frame that he taught his class but to give him credit, he was a wonderful man. Uh, but that, that was like the only time he had a really harsh opinion. And but we—it was all about seventies auteur cinema, so I guess it, it fit the bill. Um, so I always just remind that it's just like I was ready to go toe to toe with my professor on that, but I—I I learned that there was a reason behind it. So I just—I love film classes; they're they're amazing. But I'm excited for you to graduate and get out into the world and use your talents and gifts that way. All right two more questions. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, in general, uh, the film world and the movie calendar world has been flipped upside down the last 18 months, tons of different schedule shifts, but it seems like things are getting back to normal. The fall, winter, 2021 schedule seems pretty cramped with a lot of really cool movies. Is there one that you're excited about or a couple of movies that you're like really interested to see?
0: Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I specific, I hadn't been super looking forward to it. Well, I have a regal and limited membership. So I pay like $20 a month to see a, several movies every week for like a dollar a piece, just so I can constantly go to the movie theater, especially like during the day when it's like me and a small family of four and that's it. Um, so I've been seeing a lot of like ads for everything and nothing has been super calling to me, but I just saw a tweet about the Green Knight um, is supposed to be yes. incredible, um, which I actually, that was one of the ones that I was like, oh, I mean, of course I'll go see it, but I'm not really expecting much. So now I'm like completely flipped on that. i really excited to start seeing it. I think that's always such an exciting like moment, the moment that like embargoes are lifted and people can actually start telling you about movies. Um, I feel like that changes things from trailers so much.
1: Yeah, especially because trailers are, a whole that could be a whole another podcast episode <laughs> but um and then lastly uh you brought up the idea that like especially film conversation traditionally is dominated like, like what white men dominate the landscape especially me being a white man my host is a white man and we're podcasting about movies it's that's been like the landscape the last 10 years of podcasts um, do you have any recommendations for our listeners for for myself for people to Try different podcasts, maybe articles, writers that are talking about um, feminism, LGBTQ topics that would maybe help people learn more, see movies or look at movies differently.
0: Uh, absolutely. Um, so again, I think the Bechdel cast is a really great um, podcast about feminism and media. And at this point, they've been running for a couple of years. So kind of any movie, your, your favorite movie, they've probably covered it. So it's always a good place to start. Um, and I actually really love the website Autostraddle. It's an independent queer journalism publication, um, especially um, a big space for queer and trans women, especially lesbians. Um, but basically, every review I've ever read um, from auto straddle has been incredibly insightful, even for movies that I know I'm not going to want to see. I'm so glad that I read it and learned about them.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for taking the time. Uh, thanks for, for, for connecting and, and sharing more about TikTok and film and movies and Jurassic park, of course. So we really appreciate you taking the time and and sharing your thoughts. And I'm really excited to see what you do next. Cause I feel like you have so many great ideas and you're just the sky's the limit. So I hope you graduate soon, 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 and, uh, much success in the future.
0: Great. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, we should, you know what we should do, Luke, is we should take that interview and make it into a bunch of little TikToks and then put that on TikTok.
1: Yeah, we should, we should film, uh, we should film us actually, this is what you, we should do. We should film ourselves speaking the audio of the interview oh. and then put it on TikTok. Cause you know, how like on TikTok, they don't say like a lot of times they're, they're not even saying their own audio. Right. They're, so what we would do is film us lip syncing to our own to audio.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Poor Megan. she's she, she was really patient with me. And, and, and if she's made it this far listening through, she's, she's going to be embarrassed. But thank you, Megan, again, for, for the interview. I learned a lot. I hope our listeners learned a lot when they're re-watching these movies. And I really actually hope what she talked about, people can kind of bring to the theater the next time they go to see a movie. Um, I know I've already started thinking about each one of these Jurassic Park films, other films I've watched, uh, how women are portrayed in each film, uh, and it's it's kind of shocking when you think about like if you think through the, your favorite films, like obviously Star Wars is 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 widely known that Princess Leia is the only woman in the galaxy, but just thinking about all the big blockbuster films that i enjoy where women don't talk to other women or don't talk to other women unless it's connected to a male character it's it's pretty mind-blowing once you think about it so um you can follow megan on tiktok twitter and other social channels her handle is cinemegan like cinema so c-i-n-e megan m-e-g-a-n um, again, her stuff is fantastic. Um, it'll make you ponder, self reflect, or roll over laughing. If you like what you're listening, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Some more Jurassic Heads can discover us. Podcast is available across all platforms. And please get involved. If you want to bring your voice to the discussion, if you have some thoughts and ideas um, from the greater Jurassic Park fandom, please go to our website, www.jurassicpod.com. Click the share your voice button located over the sexy, laying down Ian Malcolm.
2: Yeah, just know that our standards are high. Like uh, Megan, she was lives at the Harvard. standard. Yeah. I mean, th- that is high quality. Yeah. So if you don't, if you don't at least have like an Ivy League degree, don't even get into all <laughs> our mentions.
1: <laughs> we're we're super exclusive. Or
2: yeah, you need to. Okay, so you need to either have an Ivy League degree, or uh, a TikTok a TikTok with over 1 million views on it or don't even bother don't even bother we might wait list you right before you get into the podcast but like probably shouldn't even if you have both it helps
1: always helps always (laughs) It boost your resume (laughs) all right mike uh next episode we'll have another interview and this is going to be a very special one i'm I'm
2: very excited because we
1: got the a-lister of a-listers pretty much uh outside of Getting Jeff Goldblum, I think this is probably top of my list of, of people I wanted to talk to.
2: Yeah, this is this is my idol in the in the ways of Jurassic Park fandom. You'll have
1: to listen and see.